Bleak Expectations by Mark Evans. Chapter the third, A Youth Utterly Crocked. I see in the paper that Hampshire beat Kent. Cricket, Father? No, small localised war. <laughs> I can't imagine Sussex was too pleased to be caught in the middle of that. And though it pains me to admit it, that vexatious journalist Sarquill has done a passable job on the latest instalment of my life story. Is he to return soon, Father? As a matter of fact, he's due here any minute. Oh, goody. Goody? You view his arrival as goody? I merely meant... Is that a blush I see on your cheek? No. I am just a little warm, and my corset is a little unyielding. Also, my bodice is rather constraining. My outer pants are somewhat restrictive. My inner pants are far from loose, and my special proxydermal anti-man pants are massively, massively tight. Excellent. <clears throat> yes, Servo, what is it? Sir, a boy has just delivered a telegram from Mr Sarquill. Let me see. Apologies for late arrival. Stop. I'm trapped in telegram office. Stop. <laughs> Damn him. A second telegram from him arrived at the same time. Have just been rescued by telegram delivery boy. Stop. Shall keep him with me so I can inform you of my progress. Stop. <laughs> Damn his eyes and his ears and his ankles and his spleen. And most of all, damn his perineum. And a third telegram, sir. Have just entered house and am outside door stop. <laughs> Shall knock imminently stop. Mr. Sarkwell, sir. Take this down, telegram boy, to Sir Philip Bin, address just beside the fireplace. <laughs> Have just arrived. Stop. Shall we begin? Stop. Stop, stop, stop. Um, sorry, is that a telegram in reply? <laughs> you, telegram boy, leave. But I haven't said anything yet. <laughs> serve well. Serve well and Lily, leave us. Yes, father. Another time, Mr. Sourquill. Of course, Lady Lily. And you, Sourquill, my story continues now. With my sister Pippa, my best friend Harry Biscuit and my aunt Lily... I had escaped from St. Bastard's school and had returned to my family home, which had been turned into a lunatic asylum. My mother, who had been driven completely mad by my father's death, was an inmate, but not for long, as before my very eyes, my evil guardian, Mr. Gently Benevolent, bundled her into his coach and took her away to marry her. No, mother! We must follow her! Children, no! You cannot catch a coach and horses at full gallop! Can't I? Watch me! I ran as fast as I could, and for a moment I believed I was going to gain on them. My legs were strong, my lungs were mighty, my spirit was towering. And then I ran into a tree. <laughs> I rebounded from the tree into a fence. From the fence into a row of saplings. And from the saplings into a pile of strangely placed, disused church bells. Damn! I'd have caught them if it hadn't been for that tree, that fence and those saplings. What about the church bells, Pitbin? And the church bells. Thank you, Harry Biscuit. Pursuit of your mother has to wait. We must free the asylum inmates. She was right. The place was run by Dr. Hardthrasher, a cruel man whose methods were barbaric 
and not in the kind and gentle sense of the word. <laughs> right. Let us see if we can burn the lunacy out of these madness addled insano noughts. <laughs> Lock all the doors and windows, place kindling around the building, douse it in petrol, and prepare to burn, baby, burn, loony inferno. <laughs> now, does anyone have a light? Will this help? Ah, flintlock pistol, that'll do the trick. Just fire it in there and it's flumbed mentalist all round. I don't think so, Doctor. Now step away from the kindling. Stop rubbing those small stones together and step back. Sorry. Now, children, open the doors. Merci. Sacre bleu. After the recent wars with France, the asylum was filled with people deluded into thinking that they were Napoleon. Austerlitz-Bon, Waterloo, Mer. Now, what shall we do with you, Dr. Hard Thrasher? After a brief discussion, we decided that the doctor's punishment should rest in the hands of the patient. So we dressed him as Louis XVI, tied him to a replica guillotine, and left the Napoleons to decide his fate. This, you weak-minded, mock-Napoleonic pseudo-imperial... No! The inmates ignored the razor-sharp blade and simply pushed over the guillotine on top of the doctor. <laughs> now, come, we must go to St Reluctance and rescue Mother. But before we could set off, we saw an astonishing sight. There was a row of shrubs in front of the house, and one of them suddenly stood up and came towards us. Look, a walking rhododendron. Nonsense, Harry Biscuit. It is not a walking rhododendron. It's a walking azalea. <laughs> no, it is neither. It is a person dressed as such. As we looked, we could make out human features. An eye here, a leg there, maybe a chin, two arms and a mouth, and luckily not in the order I've just described them, <laughs> or it would have been a hideous sight indeed. Poppy, is that you? After my father's death, my youngest sister, Poppy, had run away into the grounds of the house. No one had seen her since. Why, Pip, you are right. Poppy, it is I, your sister, Pippa. Oh, Joy! I've been living wild in the countryside these past weeks, disguised as a rhododendron. Told you. Hoping you would return. Yes, now we three siblings are reunited. Pippa, Poppy and Pip. Poppy, Pip and Pippa. Pip, Pippa and Poppy. And Parry Piscuit. <laughs> Children, I am happy you are reunited, but we must rescue your mother. Mother! Are you all ready for the task? I have my determination. I have my ingenuity. And I have my anvil. <laughs> you still have the anvil father gave you, dear Pippa. It is my only reminder of him. Alas, it is such a heavy reminder. Then, dear sister, I shall carry it for you. We set off, but had been walking barely ten minutes when we noticed terrible thunderclouds building. In these modern times of 1873, we have tamed the climate by means of liberal burnings of coal and gas. <laughs> but in those days, the weather was far more severe. Everyone remembers tales of the Thames freezing over, but we forget that in summer, the River Severn used regularly to boil. <laughs> the people of Shrewsbury would stand on a bridge and hurl tea, milk and sugar over the edge. <laughs> then rushed downstream to have a lovely cuppa straight from the river. <laughs> and the winds 
Few people remember that Norwich used to be in Somerset. <laughs> until a storm blew the entire town all the way to Norfolk. Which explains why Somerset and Norfolk accents are so similar. It's not just actors being lazy. <laughs> Rain lashed at us like an angry sadist in a lash factory. Soaking us to the skin, visibility dropped, and I had a sudden and horrible realization. Hello, Pippa, Poppy, Harry, Aunt Lily. I was alone. The rain came down harder and harder, and on and on I plodded, hoping that I would find my companions again. And I was just thinking that it couldn't possibly get any wetter when I realized that it wasn't raining anymore and that I'd walked into a lake. <laughs> I was famished, and so before leaving the lake, I caught three underwater squirrels and ate them raw. <laughs> they were delicious, which is one of the main reasons why they're now extinct. <laughs> then I saw, across the marshes, a church spire. Was it Saint Reluctance? Could I yet save my mother? I ran towards it as fast as I could, given that I was soaked to the skin, full of delicious squirrels, and carrying an anvil, <laughs> and eventually entered the churchyard. It seemed deserted. Hello? Is there anyone here? No. Oh. Hang on a second. Suddenly, a dread figure appeared, shackles round his ankles, with a terrible scar on his face. Nice boy. Now, quickly, before I cut you from gizzard to guzzard, what's your name? Pipsa, Pip-Bin, what is yours? My name is Abertwitch, Bakewell Abertwitch. <laughs> and do you have a twitch? No, but I do bake well. <laughs> uh, sir, what was your crime? I stole a loaf of bread. Is that all? Well, no. Originally, I stole some flour, yeast, salt and water, <laughs> but the peelers gave chase, so I shoved it down my trousers and ran. Trouble was, in the chase, everything got mixed up. I got all hot, and by the time they caught me, I baked a nice little loaf in my trousers. <laughs> now, if only I had some way of breaking these shackles. I've got an anvil. That is mighty convenient. <laughs> right, I'm off, but I shall not forget you, young Mick Grin. That's Pip Bin. One day I shall find you again and repay your kindness, Tim Spin. It's Pip Bin. Your name will live in my heart forever, Dret Flynn. No, it's... But it was too late. He fled across the marshes and I was alone, but not for long. Pip Bin. Harry Biscuit, I'm over here. Harry quickly joined me and I enfolded him in a manly embrace with no hint of forbidden love or anything <laughs> or anything other than strong, non-beastly companionship. Where are the others? Not far behind. In fact, I see them coming now. Whoa! Now run along, helpful beasts. <laughs> Gloucestershire racing cows, the fastest thing on six legs. Dear Brother Pip, how glad I am to see you and my anvil. Is Mr Benevolent here yet with Mother? The storm will have slowed him. Wait! Here they come! Quick! All hide behind this one massive gravestone! Come along, Agnes Bin. Your children can't save you now, for you ought to marry me. <laughs> Won't that be fun, eh? <laughs> <laughs> 
precautions, which you set on fire. Still mad as a cracker, eh? No matter, sanity and marriage rarely go hand in hand. We need a plan. I know. How about we chop down the trees here, whittle them into the form of a rudimentary trebuchet, and hurl heavy objects at the church until Mr Benevolent surrenders and we can all have cake? What, Harry? Why don't you stay out here with Pepper and Poppy and work on that while Pip and I just go in and save her? OK. Let's go. Now, what exactly is a trebuchet? <laughs> it's a type of large catapult. Thanks. <laughs> Good afternoon, Reverend. Is everything ready? Yes, Mr Benevolent. Excellent. Nothing can stop me now. <laughs> but something could. Aunt Lily and I had silently crept into the church and now stood poised, ready to challenge our nemesis. Uh, unfortunately, at that moment, I knocked over a large pile of prayer books, which disturbed a nest of church mice. We're so <laughs> And the mice startled me so that I fell backwards onto the organ. Hold on a second. Is there someone there? Step away from the bride-to-be, Benevolent. Ooh, a pistol. Scary. <laughs> no ordinary pistol. This is a 44 flintlock, the most powerful pistol in the world. And it has this range, it could blow your head clean off. I know what you're thinking. Did I fire one shot, or was it maybe only none? <laughs> In all the excitement, I lost count. <laughs> so you've got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do ya, punk? Actually, I feel incredibly lucky. Let's see, shall we? Oh, dear, you lucky bugger. Maybe you didn't keep your powder dry. Henchman. <laughs> this is my henchman, Mr. Henchman. A very strong and obedient man. He is also a mute. Huh? <laughs> Henchman, make sure these odious rats disturb me no more. <laughs> and now for a wedding. If this is a wedding, how come there is a coffin on the altar? The coffin is to be your mother's going away outfit. No. Yes, the Reverend here has very kindly agreed to conduct two services today. One marriage and one funeral. It's what I like to call a buy one, get one free offer. <laughs> Silence, Reverend Supermarket. We have a wedding to conduct, then a bridal burial. No. Reverend, marry us. Uh, very well. <clears throat> Do you, gently, lovely, kissy, nice, nice, benevolent, take... Yes, yes, I do. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes, get on with it. Uh, very well. Uh, do you, Agnes Bin, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? She does. I must hear it from her lips. I do. <laughs> from her? Don't do it, Mother. Do you? Come on, say it, you mentalist witch. Say I do. Oh, good lighting and use of pastels can create the illusion of space in a small room. So can knocking out the walls and filling it with geese. There, she said it. She did not. Mr Benevolent, this woman is clearly far too mad to marry. But my evil plan... Wait, I know. The daughters. I shall marry one of them. Or both. You shall never find them, Benevolent. I have hidden them from your evil grasp. Aren't they just outside in the churchyard? <laughs> Great, Pip. Well done. To the churchyard! We were in a tight spot, but luckily, help was at hand. Finished! 
Harry had, against all common sense, actually built his trebuchet. And he used it to deadly effect. No, you have killed henchmen. That anvil really is proving more and more useful. Come on, we must save Pepper and Poppy. But my mother... Room, but so can stuffed dogs, dead cats, and wild rabbits. Isn't that right, Colin? <laughs> oh, Mother. Reluctantly, we abandoned my mother to her interior design theme madness <laughs> and hurried outside to where Harry and my sisters were hiding. I will marry them. I will. Harry, we must use your trebuchet to fire all safety. Beside the church ran a river. If we could cross that, we would be safe. While Aunt Lily held off Mr. Benevolent... Want them! Get off! The rest of us climbed into the basket of Harry's trebuchet and pointed it across the river. Ready, everyone? Yes! But before Harry could fire his device, Mr. Benevolent slipped past Aunt Lily and grabbed Poppy. Aha! Got one! Damn! Poppy! Poppy! Harry, wait! Too late! We made it! From the opposite side of the river, we watched helplessly as Mr. Benevolent and Aunt Lily tussled over Poppy. Ah, Give her here! Never! Oh, this tussling really hurts! And finally, Aunt Lily wrenched her from his grasp. Give her back! Never! And ran with her towards the river. Together, they plunged in. But the river was high, and they were buffeted terribly. The current caught them, and they disappeared. But then, an arm thrust up from the flood and grabbed an overhanging tree branch. Help us! I can't hold on much longer! Take Poppy first! We dragged Poppy to safety and were reaching for Aunt Lily when we saw a shadow moving swiftly towards her under the water, a deadly shoal of underwater squirrels. <laughs> Look out, Aunt Lily! Underwater squirrels! They swarmed around her, trying to drag her away. We hauled at her, but the squirrels hauled back and we were in imminent danger of being dragged into the river ourselves. These squirrels are fearfully strong. Hold on, Aunt Lily. It's no good, children. Do not try and rescue me. Save yourselves. Oh, all right. Everyone let go of Aunt Lily. Okay. (laughs) What? No! Don't go. I didn't mean it. Do rescue me. Oh, never mind. Ow! Stop biting me, you squirrely scum. (laughs) Go to London, children. I will find you there. If I live, which I might. Ow! You should never bite anyone there, you rude squirrel. She is lost, and it is at least partly our fault. Indeed, I fear the squirrels had sought vengeance for the three of their kind I had eaten in the lake, uh, which uh, really were delicious. (laughs) Harry Biscuit, what is it? Your aunt, the river. It reminded me of my poor mother. Why, Harry Biscuit? After my father died, she went insane and took her own life. How? She became convinced that she was literally a biscuit. (laughs) Not just one in name. She believed she was a chocolate digestive called Susan. What was her real name? Susan. (laughs) That much was still sane. Do you remember an incident when the people of Shrewsbury made tea in the River Severn? Um, my mother heard of it and threw herself into the river. She climbed out, then threw herself in again, climbed out once more, threw herself in again, and so on. 
until she appeared no more. Drowned. Dunked. <laughs> she dunked herself to death. <laughs> After that, the, the Biscuit family fortune was snapped up by my late father's arch-rivals, Lord and Lady Flapjack. <laughs> A tragic and woeful story. But now to London, like our probably late Aunt Lily said. But as we walked, I noticed all was not well with one of our number. Dear Sister Poppy, are you all right? Cold. So cold. I've always found you very friendly. <laughs> no, physically cold. So physically cold. She is soaked from the river. We must find warmth and shelter. Hang on a second. This large conurbation we seem to have just entered... Could it be London? London! You're in London! Get your London here! Buildings soared above us, sometimes two or even three stories high. And the air was thick with the smell of horse manure and gin. So cold. Need a warm room. We shall get you one, dear Poppy. But we have no money. Then let's get begging. Honey? Anyone got any honey? Spare honey? It's money, Harry. Shame, I like honey. Money. Please, may we have some money? Money? You beg for money? We do. Then you're condemned by your own mouth. Begging is anti-Christian behaviour. Take them up to the workhouse. Of course, this was in the days before the disarmament of the Salvation Army. <laughs> we were driven at bayonet point to the workhouse. As we went, I realised there was something familiar about the beadle. My name is Beadle Ezekiel Hardthrasher. <laughs> while I am full of Christian goodness, you are all stricken with the disease of poverty. And why are you povertous? You lack the Christian virtues of hard work, discipline and lots of money. <laughs> but by God's will, we will inculcate these virtues in you, even if we have to hold you down and force them into you like some kind of human moral sausage. <laughs> We retired to the workhouse sleepatorium, a dismal space with only straw for bedding and bread and water for sustenance. All was degradation and misery. But then... Pip? Pip Bin, is that you? It was Mr. Parsimonious, a friend of my father's, and ironically the most generous of men. But now, he was a sorry sight. His former nobility and fine clothing, gone. Yet he was still his old, generous self. Oh, dear Pip, how I wish we had met in better circumstances. But still, you must have a present, though I have so little to give. Wait, I know. Have this crust of bread. This green and rock-like crust. Oh, and you simply must have some fetid water. Uh, and these rags. All my tattered rags. Um, and lice. All must have lice. <laughs> With that, he began to cry, which in those days it was still illegal for a man to do. <laughs> oh, and these tears. Oh, oh, you must have these salty tears of shame and regret. My misery. Have some of my misery. Please, won't someone share in my misery? Mr. Parsimonious, do not cry. But it's all gone a bit shit. <laughs> Nonsense. You're with us now. This is my friend, Harry Biscuit. How do you do? Terribly. <laughs> really, really terribly. And my sisters? How good it is to see you, Mr Parsimonious. And you, dear Pippa, even though everything is rubbish. <laughs> and Poppy? How's Poppy? I'm 
cold. I'm so cold. I fear she is seriously unwell. We think it might be a cold. <laughs> it is as if the icy waters of the river have crept into my soul. I fear I shall never be warm again. We must get help. Harry, fetch the beetle. Harry rushed off, and we waited anxiously as Poppy became colder and bluer before our very eyes. I understand that you godless paupers seek assistance. It is our sister. She is freezing to death. Please help her. Nonsense. If she nears death, she nears the kingdom of heaven. What Christian could begrudge another being such a wonderful happening? But please help me. You'll be warm soon, young lady. Warm in God's embrace. I'd rather be warm here. No, you go to God. I envy you. I can't feel my legs. Oh, my arms. My head is numb. There's no feeling in my chest. All I can feel is a tiny bit of my stomach. And how does that feel? Cold! <laughs> Might have guessed. There are angels around me. And I can see Jesus. You lucky cow. <laughs> he has a warm coat for me and soup. Hot soup. Thank you, Jesus. A toasted muffin. Yes, please. How warming. Of course I'll come closer to the fire. Closer. Closer. The flames are so hypnotic but warm. Goodbye, dear brother and sister. I'm going now. Going. Going. No. no! At least now she is in a better place. Actually, the fire imagery makes it quite clear she's in hell. <laughs> but she saw Jesus. The devil in a Jesus costume. <laughs> he does that a lot. <laughs> now sleep. For tomorrow you work to remove the stain of poverty from your souls. And so, Pippa and I were comforted by Mr. Parsimonious and Harry Biscuit. Yet our sister was dead. Would it be long before we shared her fate? <laughs> That's so sad. Poppy died. She died. I can't bear it. And you think I could, you bloody fool? No, but it's so sad. <laughs> I can't take any more of this emotion. Then leave and return next week <coughs> when you shall hear more. <laughs> yes. Well, Father, how do you feel? It's so sad. <laughs> These are hard memories to relate, dear daughter. Well, sometimes it is good to talk about these emotions. Oh, this is 1873. Emotions are like port. To be corked up tight in a bottle, left in the cellar for 40 years, and then given to your godson on his 21st birthday. <laughs> when Sir Quill returns, he shall hear more. How we escaped the workhouse, how I made my fortune, and how I was nearly lost to the depths of the ocean. Bleak Expectations was written by Mark Evans and starred Richard Johnson as Sir Philip Bin, Tom Allen as Young Pip, Anthony Head as Mr Benevolent, Celia Imrie as Aunt Lily, Lawrence Howarth as Mr Parsimonious, Geoffrey Whitehead as Dr Hardthrasher, Susie Kane as Pippa, Perdita Weeks as Poppy, Sarah Hadland as Lily, James Barkman as Harry Biscuit, Mark Perry as Bakewell and Mark Evans as The Reverend. It was produced by Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards.